What's up, you beauties? Welcome to another episode of HW Radio. I'm Jim here, as always, with Jack. Kyle has the night off tonight. Jack, what's going on, my man? Uh, you know, a whole lot of nothing again. Uh, starting to ramp up the uh, the draft talk, the draft research. Yeah. Kind of got shafted this year. Usually, you know, with COVID and all. But usually I, I'm like into the thick of it in like the beginning of April, you know. And then by the time June rolls around the draft, I'm, I know up into the fourth round. This year it was like I don't even know when to start with everything going on pause Flyers actually being good. Um, but, you know, I just started it like two weeks ago, doing the best I can, uh, and still not a whole lot going on in Flyerland. No, it seems like they haven't played in forever now. I mean, the the conference finals are done. The Stanley Cup finals have started. One-to-one between the Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning. Who do you want to win that series, Jack? Um. It's tough. I like both teams. I feel like Tampa should already have a ring, so it'd be nice to see them get theirs, but you can't hate what Dallas has done, especially when we go back to when we did our um, predictions for just for the first round, and I felt like I was one of the only people who took Dallas to win their, against Calgary, and I just saw something, and I'm like, they didn't look bad. You know, they lost Ben Bishop. I was like, uh-oh, and they've just, like, when they're on, they look like one of the best teams in the league. They got all these contributions from rookies. Those that's the kind of teams that win championships. When you got guys making nothing, suddenly stepping up in the in the bright spots and the big moments, including your backup goalie who comes in and slams the door shut when you lose your starter. It, it, you can't hate that. And the fact that they are three wins away from winning the cup is crazy. So I would definitely like to see Dallas win. I've never disliked the team. It goes back to the Madonna, Brett Hall, Ken Hitchcock era. And at the same time, it's a win-win for me. I really just did not want to see the Islanders uh, go because I just I hate the Islanders. <laughs> like They're a division rival. And kind of don't want to see Vegas win. At first, I was indifferent. But after they lost, they posted on Twitter the word pain. I was like, what in God? They know nothing about pain. Their first season... They went to get what game five of the Stanley Cup before they got eliminated. They still made the yeah. playoffs last year, and then they're right back in the thick of it this year. Almost another run, and they're they're going to say pain. They don't know what pain was if it bit them in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I'm always happy to see Vegas get eliminated, just because all they've seen is playoff hockey since they've been in the league, and it's like a team should not be that good right away. I feel like you should have to as a fan, suffer a little bit before your team gets good. You know, like here we are, and it's because I'm a little bit bitter. Here we are, Flyers fans, where I've been on this earth for 33 years. Flyers have been in the Stanley Cup two times since I've been alive. And they got swept by Detroit in, when was it, 96, 97? 97, yeah. And then they went on. They weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs the year they went to the Stanley Cup against the Blackhawks. And, you know, they ended up going on that magical run and they lost 4 to 2 to Chicago. So, but on one of the worst overtime goals of all time. Oh, yeah, my Michael God. I know. Yeah. See, that, I, that's pain. Yeah, exactly. That's pain. You, at that point, I was like, wait, 2010. So I was like 22, 23 years old. I had more than paid my dues at this point. 
you know, we've seen them. We've seen the Legion of Doom error. We saw the Ronick error with Primo and them. And we've come so close. The Devils stopped us. The Lightning stopped us. And they both went on to beat teams that we all believe the Flyers would have beaten. We, of course, saw the Red Wings sweep us, which hurt because we were the favorites going into that series. We broke it all down. We built it back up with the Richardson Carter error, acquired Pronger, Briere, all that. And we went for it. And we got to game six against, and we were again underdogs at home overtime. And that kind of goal ends it. Oh, just sickening, just sickening. And these Vegas fans are going to tell us about pain. That's an absolute joke. How about how about this for pain? How about having an absolute stud superstar, you know, miss go go through stretches of missing, you know, multiple months and games because of concussion issues, only to get knocked out uh, and and never play for, you know, the Flyers again or or your home team again. Like that's pain, you know. Like seeing your favorite player literally get knocked out on the ice and never put on the sweater again. Right. That's a great example. Not to mention just a piggyback on that. Favorite player of all time is John LeClaire. When they lost to Tampa, game seven, mind you, then they went on to smoke a not very impressive Calgary Flames team. We had a full year lockout. The season came back. I believe both Recky, who I also loved, and LeClaire were penguins. Like that stung. Yeah. That seriously stung. I mean, I mean, I could go on. I mean, we had our horrible season. We finished dead last. Had to, We acquired Forsberg only to trade him the next year. Like, you can't make this shit up. Like, we, we went through. We weren't ever really a bottom-dwelling team. That's why the Hackstall era was very difficult to sit through. We were always in the thick of it. Even our one year we were bad, we bounced right back and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But, like, the ups and downs and mainly – the horrible losses, the last second or the almost there, that felt like the rug got pulled out from under you losses. That's pain. Vegas has been handed everything but a cup at this point, and yeah. they're going to tell me what pain is. I, I, I would venture to guess 95% of that team are Fairweather fans, and once they start sucking, you'll see them start to disappear. Imagine, and you brought this up, imagine... Vegas has a season like the Flyers did back in 06, 07, right? They don't have any fans. Like, we watched every single game. I, like, I, I know you did. I watched every single game that year on TV. Like, I, just because they sucked, I didn't turn the Flyers off. You think Vegas fans do that? I don't think so. Dude, I was at fan appreciation night, and the Flyers scored on themselves to lose the game. <laughs> That's how bad that season was. But you, you still know, showed up and went, yeah. And I still I went to that game. No, and at that point they were out of playoffs. Like <laughs> they were there. Yeah. It was, you know, it was March. You know, Vegas ain't doing that. There's no, no way. There's probably There's more fans of the opposing team in the in the uh, arena at that point. Yeah, hit the casino. What do you want to go see the the Knights lose again? Probably giving uh, away free tickets as comps. There you go. <laughs> so playoff playoff pain. Yeah, Vegas doesn't know. They don't know. Flyers fans know. Like Toronto. They know. Maple they Leafs know. fans know, yeah. Yeah. Like, I can respect that. Pittsburgh, they don't fucking know. They've been handed everything as well, too. <laughs> Vegas especially don't know. They don't even have enough service time to even complain. That's what I mean. Like, you go to the Stanley Cup your first year, and then you get eliminated, what, in the second round the next two years? Like, you, that's success. Like, it's awesome. It's amazing. You see they're sustaining it, so it's all the more reason to be happy. They're 
at a point where they make a couple of tweaks and they're, they're right back in it. They're going to tell me about pain. Why don't you ask the Nashville Predators or the Blue Jackets about pain or the Wild <laughs> when they came into the league and how horrible things were for them? I want to go back even further, Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. That's pain. They were bottom dwellers. I, as my childhood, like a lot of those teams were the bottom of the league. They were just horrible. No, this team goes straight to the top and they're crying. Give me a break. <laughs> Let's move on a little bit here. We'll actually talk some flyers. So they made a signing since our last show, and they signed Nicholas Albe-Kubel to a two-year contract worth $1.075 million per season. What do you think about that deal? Uh, it's... Just talk about the deal by itself. It's a great deal. I, I really love it. I loved Alb Kubel since he was drafted, really. Flyers at the time had no picks, no farm system to really speak of. I believe he was drafted in 2014, second round pick. And um, I would follow Bill Meltzer's blog, and he would just update you on the Flyers' prospects. Back then, it was barren. So to see this guy be, he's actually a pretty high goal scorer, always scoring, doing this, doing that. I was like, dude, like we have. We have a nice prospect, offensive prospect. I don't put him up there with anybody legitimate. I can see him being on the Flyers one day and sticking. For some goofy reason, the Hexall Hexall error, who I believe drafted him, Hexall definitely drafted him. Uh, I think um, Hacks, but they just didn't like him. They didn't bring him up. They didn't never really gave him a fair chance. And we always wondered why that was when you're playing such horrible players that, that we've seen come through this system. It was almost like the second Hexall got fired, and even I think when they brought Scott Gordon in, we maybe saw a little bit of him. Definitely saw him this year, and you're like, this is what we were talking about. You know, he he's a hard nosed player. He's got offensive talent, and he he can get dirty when you need him to. He's a perfect bottom six player, and to get him on a two year deal at a very cheap price like this is awesome. And I want to see him. Maybe he can develop even more, and he turns into something you didn't realize you had. And I'm just glad he got a shot. I'm glad he earned this contract and he didn't become a career AHLer. The only thing that is a little tough is with, I was hoping to get a one year, a little bit of a discount on him this year to make the cap work for them this year. But I can't look at this deal and be upset. It's it's a good deal. I like the guy. I hope he's a, a third and fourth line for the next two years and maybe, you know, pushes for that second line and just keeps doing what he's doing. So Al Capel is a great, great young player. And he's got a spot on this roster, and it was well-deserved. I'm glad he got it. Yeah, me too. Um, I guess I was kind of hoping around a million. Uh, they gave him just a little bit more. I like that they got him locked up for two years. Um, I think that's why it was more, though, for the two years. Yeah. Where, like, uh, this year, it's, like, m- maybe the slightest of slightest overpayments, maybe, which it's not even worth mentioning. But next year, I think it could be really be a bargain. Yeah, I mean, especially if he can contribute, let's say, 15 goals playing in the bottom six. Because he's got the potential, too. Yeah, he's got the potential. Uh, We saw towards the end of the regular season. uh, I don't want to even, like, use playoffs as an example. And and that's going to go for guys like TK and, you know, whoever else, Drew Voracek. You know, if we're looking towards next year, I'm going to say whatever happened in the playoffs was, you know, flukish or it was because they were in the bubble whatnot. I'm expecting better things from Albe Kubel. Like for NAC standards, he got paid, right? Like this is a bridge deal. So if, if he plays well under this contract, what's he going to get next? You know, like 2.5, like Scott Lawton type money, something like that. Um, 
I could I think it's a great contract. If if Albe Kubel can come in and put up 30 points next season, 30 35 points, which I think he's more than capable of, uh this this could turn out to be a really really good signing. So I think we had somebody on. I think it may have been Martinez that I think he spoke to Brian Elliott and Brian Elliott said that Albe Kubel had one of the most deceptive wrist shots in the league, was it? He compared yeah. his wrist shot to Austin Matthews. Now, I'm not saying he is Austin Matthews, but the way he hides his shot, the way you don't know where it's going to go, like yeah, that's a pretty good qual- uh, pretty good trait to have, you know, in to a third, honest, fourth line player. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a good point you bring up. And that's that offensive talent I was referring to when he was in juniors. It's there. I don't want to say it's dormant. He just doesn't find himself in a lot of situations where he can. we can see it. Uh, but yeah, it was Martinez and it was, uh, I believe the goal was against, I want to say the blues. It was a game where he had no business scoring that goal and the flyers were able to either mount a lead or come back from a deficit. And I know they won the game. And when he said that I was able to remember exactly what goal it was at the time, go back and check if you don't believe me. And he was like, that's the exact goal I'm thinking of because that's exactly what he did. It was almost like one of those, I'm going for a line change. Let me just put this in the zone. And he like kind of pulled it in close and just snapped it. And it was, boom, it was in, it was like, wow. Like he has the talent. Uh, I don't creating his own plays has been a little bit of an issue creating his own shots, I should say. Uh, and you're, unfortunately you're not going to see the guy on a line with on the top line, at least not now. Uh, he's, he, I see him as a pretty good replacement for Rafa when the time's up. Sure. And, you know, let's kind of stay on the same topic, but also transition a little bit here. So with the Knack signing, you got to figure he at least starts out the next season on the fourth line. You know, if we're looking at right wing for the Flyers, we're looking at Jake Voracek on the on the top line, Travis Konechny on the second line, Joel Faraby maybe starts the season on the third, and Albe Kubel on the fourth. Now things can always get moved around, you know, depending on how these guys come into camp and how they develop and whatnot. But let's just say that that's how it looks for now. On the left wing, maybe you have Raffle starting out on the fourth line. Uh, you have JVR. You have, uh, hopefully, Lindblom comes back and is ready to go uh, 100%. And you have Giroux. Now, you have people out there that say Scott Lawton looked better at left wing than he did center. So just for the sake of this discussion, let's say that Scott Lawton starts out next season on the left wing, okay? Maybe he, he and he Raffle and Albe Kubel rotate on the fourth line on the wing positions or something. The Flyers need two centers to start next season. They need to fill out the 3C and they need to fill out the 4C. Now, I want to get your opinion first. Uh, how are they going to fill these holes? Judging by the salary cap and where they're at and considering they have to still figure out backup goalie Brian Elliott you think he'd be resigned it's going to be two million maybe one and a half if you give him multiple years Phil Myers is probably going to get close to his Travis Sanheim uh contract uh Hag's going to get a million or more a little bit more there's there's free agency isn't your answer so the two guys that you're relying on one's Morgan Frost because it's time for him to come up the other one what's going on with Nolan Patrick you know, I mean, it's it's been a full season now. No more farting around. Like, it's time to go. You know, I mean, other than that, Bunneman could be like a fourth-line center kind of guy. Um, 
I don't haven't seen enough development from anybody else at this point. You'd like to see certain guys in their prospect pool. Um, is Wade Allison was he listed as a center? I thought I, think I he's can't listed remember. as a right winger. Lazinski's rated as a center. Yeah, Allison's right wing. Lazinski's center. Yep. That's what. Okay, Lazinski. I could. Those two were mentioned in the same article. And I, I could flip flop. Friggin' Allison was drafted like four years ago at this point. Um, yeah, I think one of those guys might push. I mean, if there's no Nolan Patrick, you can't sign anybody unless you're really uh, going to the bottom of the barrel, and because they don't have the money. The cap's not there right now. You got the buyouts. They're paying over almost two million dollars, if not if not two million dollars in buyouts. Brian Elliott's probably going to cost you two million dollars, maybe a little bit less if you're lucky. You know, and they already are stretched for money, so you're going to have to do it from within. And when you look at within, it's Morgan Frost, Nolan Patrick, Bunneman, uh, Lazinski, who I'd like to see get a, uh, I'd like to see him get a shot. Like we we heard a lot about this guy. And nobody really said nothing until we thought we were going to lose him. So we thought he was going to like become a free agent. Then all of a sudden, it came out that this guy's good. Da, 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 da. I do think he's pretty good. I don't know if he's an NHL player, but I certainly like to find out. That is the point in drafting this much. And if you have needs like this, I want to I want to see these guys get a shot. I really am curious. I want to see this camp should be really interesting because most of this team's makeup is made up. And I don't want to see Drew go back to center. I don't want to see Rafa go back to center. I want to see these guys come up and, and start to take this team because it's, it's it's enough already. Fletcher's got to work on a trade with the defense, and I don't know whether that includes Ghost or not or Patrick's name's being floated or, God forbid, JVR. I, you can't rely on that. If we had to go from now, you have to build from within, and there's plenty of players to give the shot to do so. So my top two to answer your question after my long tangent would be Nolan Patrick, come on now, and Morgan Frost, who should be a, uh, he's got to be on the roster by now. Come on. Yeah, I agree. And so I'm going to, I'll start mine with, you know, Morgan Frost, obviously. So what I think we'll end up factoring into this is, you know, we, we talked to Mike Ianiello or Mike Ianiello last week, who is the PR manager for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And he didn't seem, optimistic on an AHL season. So for the sake of this discussion, let's just say that there is no AHL season this year. And Morgan Frost is going to have to play, right? So it almost makes too much sense to just throw him in, right? He didn't look out of place with the Flyers last year. And one would assume that a player of his skill and, uh, you know, his pedigree will have gotten a little bit better. And, you know, he got a taste of the NHL last year. Maybe he'll be more acclimated to the league. Maybe he'll put on a couple of pounds. I'm not banking on, and I I know we have similar feelings, but, you know, you mentioned uh, Patrick and Frost. So for the sake of, you know, devil's advocate or an opposite opinion, I'm not banking on Nolan Patrick coming back. So for this, I'm going to say Morgan Frost comes back, plays 3C, and, you know, it's almost, for me, too obvious, right? Especially if there's no AHL. Get Morgan Frost in the 3C role. Have him play with, uh, who'd we say was on? Uh, it would be Farabee and, and JVR. So that's it. for that line, I'm not sure how ideal that would be. I mean, Farabee's a pretty good uh, defensive two-way player, right? He's smart enough to play both ends of the ice. Um, there would be some worry there with Frost and JVR, right? So I, it wouldn't be your traditional 
third line, right? The third line used to be kind of like the shutdown, quote unquote, line. Um, whereas that would be more of, I, I guess, somewhat of an offensive line. Uh, so when people hear those three names, and I want to hear your opinion here, people kind of cringe a little bit. But if the Flyers do end up keeping JVR for next season, and I say if, we'll get to why in a little bit, Morgan Frost is kind of the center that a player like James Van Reems like needs, isn't he? And then you add in a guy like Joel Farabee who can play the defensive uh, side of the ice. I don't know. What's that? Does that line do anything for you, Jack? I mean, the first thing I hear is defensive liability, which yeah. could potentially be a thing. People wanted to commend JVR on developing his overall game this season, which it's half true, but in the playoffs, he definitely had a lot of mistakes and a lot of guys were open because of him. He's slower. That's what hurts. He's slower. Um, Farabee's, um, you're, he had a good season. For a rookie, he did a lot more than we expected him to do at his age. You hope he takes a step forward. Frost, yeah, when he first came up, he was great. Then he disappeared. So consistency is a major thing with him. Uh, a good thing for a line like that to do would be to focus on defense first. When you hear those names, you don't really think that. But they're a third line, so I think they need to get their own end under control and then figure out the rest from there and then see what happens. Sure. I think JVR needs any kind of center that has the playmaking ability. Um, JVR, unfortunately, as much as I personally like the guy, they really got to find a way to get him off the team. I mean, he's just that, all that cap, and like I'd just rather see other younger, faster players. Uh, if he used his body better and like you know played bigger because he's a big guy, different story. But he doesn't, so I, you can't even say, "Well, he's a bigger guy." Well, it doesn't matter, like you know. So I can't even use that as a defense. Yep. And you, I, I like that he can be a goal scorer, but you can't rely on guys who are streaky goal scorers. You know, like Rick Nash was kind of like that towards the end of his career, and that hurt the the Rangers big time. You know, I think it hurt their playoff aspirations when they were really pushing and their window was closing the fact that he couldn't score when he needed to score hurt and as much as i like jvr and i'm not saying he's on rick nash's level or anything but the fact that he's not scoring when he need you need him to score and he hasn't improved the power play he's just taking up a spot and he's taking up salary so I, i'd really like to i like the idea of the line but you know i was listening to some old podcasts of ours when we first started out and how high we are on jvr and other players and I think we had a line at the time of like JVR, Wayne Simmons, and oh geez, I don't even know who the center was at the time. And we were like happy about that. And looking back, I'm like, that was probably the slowest line in the league. You yeah. know, and, and like we can't. I like the youth. It's a little bit of a mixed ma mismatch. I think they might have issues getting the puck out of the zone. I think that's one thing that comes up. They're going to have issues getting offense, like getting set up in the offensive zone. Um, I personally wouldn't put that line together. I might work it out differently and see what happens. I mean, there's so much that could happen between now and then. The idea of it in NHL is good, the game, <laughs> but in real life kind of makes me go, I think that's a lot of wishful thinking seeing those three names together like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it's going to be interesting because they, they don't really have enough, a uh, lot of wiggle room. Uh, like I mentioned, we can get to a potential trade scenario involving JVR in a second. But let me just fill out my fourth line here. So in my opinion, they have two candidates for this fourth line spot. And this is what I think the Flyers should do. Uh, if you guys haven't read it already, I put out an article uh, that touched on this a little bit. 
so the first of my two choices would be, uh, what the hell is his name? Connor Bonneman. So we all saw Connor Bonneman shockingly make the Flyers out of camp last year and played okay. I don't think he played bad. Like he played well enough to not get noticed for anything negative, right? He was better than Vorobiev was. Right? Like he did he did what you would expect a fourth line center to do. He's he's a bigger body, uh, can play in the tough, dirty zones. Six foot one, two hundred and seventy pounds, man. He's physically ready to play on the fourth line. Showed enough ability, in my opinion, to at least be in consideration for a roster spot next season. Now, the other guy, and Tanner Lazinski really is an other guy because he was drafted in the sixth round back in two two thousand and sixteen. And, you know, no one's really heard about him, but he's seemingly been overlooked. And even a scout from Dauber Prospect uh, said the same thing. So here's how uh, he was described. Tanner's a strong and skillful forward who brings plenty of two-way aptitudes to the Flyers depth. His competence in the areas of puck protection and edge work are two of the glaring strengths that would allow the 23-year-old to make an immediate impact in the pro circuit. So Tanner Luzinski, 23 years old, he has the frame to play in the NHL already, Six foot one, 190 pounds. Not really a kid that would have to develop any more in the AHL. Uh, he scored 143 total points in 138 games at Ohio State University. Uh, he put himself in the record books for a couple of things. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, I put a couple links in the article that I wrote just if you want to, you know, in case you don't believe me. Um, so I guess he's kind of like my dark horse for the fourth line spot. And the way I am, I always want to see the unknown before I see the known. You know, like we we kind of know what Connor Bunneman is. Can he get a little bit better? Sure, absolutely. I, I don't think that, We've seen the best of Connor Bonneman. How much better can he get? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be tearing up the NHL on the fourth line or anything, but I would like to get a glimpse and see what Tanner Lazinski can do in the NHL. Because from what I've read, he's only getting better every year. And he, he was as consistent as you could get playing with Ohio State. Every year he's putting up the same amount of points and the same amount of games. Uh, so definitely did not regress. And, uh, yeah, if, if there's a scout at Dauber prospect saying, Hey, the Flyers might have a, do- a diamond in the rough over here, you know, head start to turn a little bit. So they have some options. And I guess what I think is going to happen with this fourth line, fourth line center spot, you know, how we kind of saw in the beginning of this season, how it was kind of like a revolving door with players. You mentioned Vorobiev, uh, Bonneman, Torinsky was up for a little bit. Andrioff was up for, uh, 15 games or what have you. I think, we're kind of going to see that again. It's going to kind of be like, okay, who's going to take this spot and keep it, you know? Absolutely. And that's not always a bad thing. I mean, you know, you envision these lines when we make our lines for the next season and the players, and you want it to be set in stone for the whole season. And that's just not how it works. And it's even more so with players. And he's a guy that I won't be upset if he's not the first one to get that role, because I just want him to excel once he gets it. I don't want a Vorobiev situation where he kills it in camp, has two you know good games, and then falls off a cliff. 
that would be that would hurt. That'd be like we really thought we had something here. Turns out the guy's just was running on adrenaline and the adrenaline ran out. I would I kind of like what Bunneman did, uh, where he wasn't he, you know he made it he came up he went down he came up he went down when we needed a guy he was brought in he did what he was asked to do. Where Torinsky kind of blew the doors off and I still like the guy, but he was a he was a early season guy only. Like we really did not see much of him at all um, last the second half of last year, and he really wasn't even in consideration. You know, we started seeing other guys, whether it be center or wings, you know, he was never even thought about being brought up, really. They were bringing up veterans or they were bringing up different rookies. So if we do have a quote-unquote diamond in the rough, I don't care how he gets here. I just want him to stick once he gets here. Uh, Injuries aside, one suggestion I'd have for a player like that is to, of course, obviously do your job and not make any glaring mistakes or anything like that. Keep your name quiet. Don't go, don't overextend yourself trying to get a goal or something like that and you can get bit in, in your own end or whatever. Just do what's asked of you and bring a little bit of that physicality. It'll get you a long way, especially in the city and hopefully with their coaching staff. Yeah, I agree. So I'm kind of excited to see that. You know, I don't, I don't want to see just a spot handed to... Uh, a Connor Bonneman and even for I don't want to see a guy like Nate Thompson just handed that fourth line spot just because you know he's been in the league you know and he's a gritty vet I would rather see a younger kid beat out a guy like Nate Thompson if he's brought back which I'm not even sure that he can be with the cap situation so uh, another plus would be that the guys you already have signed are the cheaper options you know and that's kind of why we're talking about the three and four C and filling the spots from within because they're the cheaper options and they might even be the better options. Who knows? You know, cause these are, these are not schlub players. Like these are decent players to fill in these spots. So they're, they're in an okay situation uh, as far as filling the roster out from within. Now let's just move on just a tick here. And we mentioned JVR a couple times and potentially moving him before the show, we were discussing trades and, you know, I don't really want to be specific here with trades, but if JVR was moved, what would you like to see come back? Like, without naming a specific player or a team, Jack, what would you be looking for the Flyers to do with JVR? I feel differently about JVR than I do Ghost. JVR, because of his contract, he doesn't have a whole lot of value. I mean, him as a player, if a team can add him, they would definitely add a goal scorer like that, even if streaky. But the con- $7 million during a flat cap a couple of seasons, that's tough. That's tough. So I'm not expecting much back at all. Uh, he's got no potential because he is he is what he is. You know what he is. And he's only, if anything, he's only going to get a little bit worse. at this. He's going to regress, if anything, I think. you know, um, Maybe he sustains it for a few years before that happens, but... If you were to trade him for straight, you would have to get some kind of salary back, unfortunately. Obviously, you're not trading him for similar salary or, God forbid, more. If he's traded alone, I would accept, I would, I guess, like a sixth round pick and a roster player of the caliber of like a Derek, like a Tom, like a Nate Thompson, Derek Grant, like one of those guys, like a pick and a player who a player probably is making around. $3 million, four, five million, three and a half million dollars. Not going to be a defenseman, I don't think. 
uh, unless again that they're just trying to offload a risky contract on their end. And what's the point trading them at, at that point? You know, I don't see a whole lot because of the salary and the flat cap situation. I think, I think Seattle's is where he's destined, and they need to make that happen. Okay, so you're thinking maybe JVR is here for another year at least if he if he goes to Seattle. Right or, or can they? They can't start taking players now. They got to wait the. I think it's season. not till June. Yeah, so I, I don't really know. I guess my ideal situation with JVR would be. I would like for the Flyers to add a top four defenseman, and this kind of ties in with uh, a little bit of what Chuck Fletcher said. I think it was last week. Maybe it was the week before where he talked about adding defensive depth, right? And immediately everybody thought, oh, well, you know, they are going to look to add third-pair defensemen, right? They're going to try to fill out the top six. Where my mind kind of went to, well, if they add a top two or top four guy, that means someone's going to get pushed down a little bit, right? And I'm thinking Matt Niskanen. Um, and the only reason that came to mind first was the way that he played in the playoffs. And if you if you guys remember when Niskanen was signed last summer, they didn't bring him in to be a top pairing defenseman. He did, he knew that he wasn't a top pairing defenseman anymore. But he ended up playing playing as a top pair D with Ivan Provorov. And I think. If the Flyers are going to take a step next season, they need to get Niskanen off that top pair somehow. Now, whether that's going to be, you know, just Myers moving up and it's Provorov Myers, or then you have Sanheim Niskanen, but then you're still in the same issue on the bottom pairing. You didn't really add the depth yet. Uh, so if JBR's moved, I'm hoping that they figure out some way, somehow, to bring in a top four pairing defenseman, preferably to pair with Travis Sanheim, so that Phil Myers can get pushed up to that top line with Ivan Provorov, and Matty Niskanen gets moved down to that uh, third pairing. And this is assuming as well that they're going to hang on to Shane Goss's bear. So now you're looking at a third pairing of Ghost and Niskanen, and for all the Ghost lovers out there, I would think that this move, let's just say, that Ghost was going through some injuries, right? The last couple of years he's been recovering instead of actually being able to play his game. Being paired with a guy like Matt Niskanen should allow Ghost to play more his style, whatever that style is anymore. Now you have Sandheim on your second pair. He would need, obviously, a partner. And then you have Provorov and Myers as your top guys. And... This is going to try to kind of tie in with our, our next topic here, but I want to see the training wheels off next year, right? I want to see Myers come in next season bulked up. I want to see him ready to take that next step. Um, so what better way to, to take that next step than by playing first pair minutes with Ivan Provorov? I think they would be an excellent pair. Um, now, a lot of it depends on who they get back and, if they can actually play with Sandheim, but Sandheim's another guy, and we'll get to him in a second, that I would like to see the training wheels taken off of. Uh, and I already made my points for the third line. Uh, what would you think about that, Jack? Um, 
ideally it'd be great. Uh, even if they brought, I don't know how they would do it, but they were to make a trade, bring in a guy, definitely short term, who'd be better to um, make all those defensive pairings have somebody you can all lean on each other, and maybe they could. We could be good throughout the whole lineup and not be like stuck with a bad th- third pairing that we know isn't going to get out of their own zone, like Hag and Braun were in the playoffs. That was hard. Um, you know, I, I could see that. But you, the one thing that stuck with me that you said the most is you seem, and I don't blame you, but you seem, if they are going to move somebody up who's young to the top pairing, that it be Myers. Um, I think it'll be Sandheim. Now, before you jump down my throat, because he had a rough, rough playoff, um, and you did put out a poll, which we should bring up, I think Sandheim has more service time in right now. Uh, I actually think a pairing of Sandheim and Provorov could potentially be very good. Uh, Niskanen taking a step back with Myers would be very good for Myers and probably Niskanen a bit. Um, I don't know where Ghost fits in the lineup right now. I don't really trust him right now. I would like to see him. I like to see the old Ghost, don't get me wrong. Hag's nothing more than a third-line pairing, and Braun's gone. So if they don't add anybody, and those are our guys, and I don't know who the, the – the seventh man would be Friedman if they sign nobody, uh, which could be tough. Um, if that's what we're rolling with, I think Sanheim would get first crack at that top line if that is what they're going to do. He's older, and he's been playing longer, and I think he's more poised to take that next step. Did he have a rough playoffs? Yes, definitely. Um, but I think keeping him on a line with Myers, who's kind of learning at the same rate he is, is not good. So to have him jump up with Provorov, who's our best defenseman, and play real minutes and kind of have those two together, and then have Myers play with Niskanen, and Niskanen be the vet and Myers be the young stud, I think that'd be great for them. Plus, you're taking some minutes off of Niskanen. I think, you know, Ghost and Ghost and Hag, the idea of them together is actually hysterical. But, you know having Ghost try to figure out his game, which is straight offense, and Hag figure out his game, which is straight defense, for your third pairing, you could do a lot worse. Um, I hope they add one more defenseman. I don't care how they do it. I'd rather not. I'd rather have Hag be the sixth, seventh guy and a, a defensive. If, if, a guy, if they could add a guy that we wanted Braun to be, that would be ideal to have Ghost play with on that third pairing. Uh, Braun was good against bad teams. Uh, he was pretty decent most of the play, most of the season. Rather, he's a he's a role player though. I'd rather them bring in an actual good defensive defenseman uh, who's not a pylon, who doesn't disappear in the playoffs and really kind of screw up. Uh, somebody who's actually worth the second and third round pick. God, I had to say that. Um, I think I think we're more inclined to see that, barring no moves. I, I'll put money on it. I think that if they're going to move a young guy up. Unless, unless somebody has a horrible camp, I think it's going to be Sandheim. And I think he might surprise some people. Now, do you want to bring up your poll real quick, Jimmy? Uh, yeah. You asked if San- this is a make-or-break year for Sandheim. There were three options. Yes, no, and potentially. So before I get into my thing, what were the final results? Yeah, so the poll results are we had 26.5% say yes, that it is a make quote unquote make or break season. Uh, 23.2% say potentially, and 50.3% say no. So 
That comes out to 49.7. Didn't say no. So it's pretty much. <laughs> see what you it, did there. <laughs> yeah, it's almost split right down the middle, you know, but 50.3% of 181 votes said flat out, no, it's not make or break. I, um, I, I voted potentially, but deep down, I don't think it's a make or break. I just, I like the idea of and make or break is not the right term, but it's, could it be his time to shine? Could it be his time to step up in a serious manner? Could it be his time to grab, you know, this team by the balls like Provorov has? Now, I don't think he'll ever surpass Provorov, but the idea of him stepping up to that first pairing, those two potentially could complement each other fantastically. Where Ghost was straight offense and Provorov couldn't really do his thing. They're both similar where they have that. I think Sanheim is a little bit more offense, but and Provorov has a little bit more defense, but they both like to jump into the play. If they could mix and match and know when one's going to jump in, the other one's going to hang back and have that give and take. It could really work out. So make or break is not the right term, but this year has the potential to be, to be very meaningful in the career of Travis Sanheim. If he really grabs it by the balls and I don't see why he wouldn't, I think ownership and the coaching staff want to see him do it. I think when they added Niskin in, this was eventually the plan to drop Niskin in back and then, Maybe they re-sign him. I don't know if they can or what he would even be asking for. And I, you kind of brought it up with Myers. Maybe Myers is the guy. I don't. I wouldn't go that far yet. Um, but I see a lot of potential good. I keep saying that word, but good things with Sanheim. And it seems to be what I laid out was I think their plan when they first brought him up. I think that was even back during the Hacksaw era. But what we've seen, it's like there were, I, the pairing seemed good. Last year, two young studs. But now I want to see him go either, even if he was with Niskanen, it wouldn't be horrible about it. But I want to see him move to the top pairing because it is the top pairing. And I want to see him play with Provorov. And that potentially could be our top pairing, if not a very just a very good pairing, for years to come. And that's what I'm excited for. That's what I want to see this year. If he falters this year, it could change my how I feel about Sanheim and the fu- his future with the team. Not that he'd be gone, but maybe maybe Myers is that guy. Maybe they're looking past all of them towards Cam York or something of lo- along that nature. Zamula even, although I, that'd be, that would surprise me. Um, but you never know. You know, This is a big year for him. Make or break? No, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. But it's a big year for him and poten- what he could potentially mean to this team in defensive pairing. And I would just, if him and Provorov were to work out, and be that elite pairing we thought him and Ghost were three years ago or however long ago it was, that would go, that would just be fantastic and really would show something. And I think it's very possible. And I, I, I'm excited to see it. I hope he I hope he really takes it and runs with it. Yeah. So what I find is interesting for next year, because it's a it's a really big year for Travis Sanheim. He's playing in the second year. Second and final year of his two-year bridge deal, which I believe, hang on, because I have the cap friendly up here real quick. I believe it was two point something or three point two five. Three point two five sounds right. Yep, three point two five million, and he's twenty-four. He'll be twenty-five next March. So towards the end of the year, he'll be twenty-five. Uh, when he re- when he signs his new deal. 
He'll be 25 years old. Uh, I would imagine he gets like a four-year deal, something like that. If you know, if see, this is why I think it's such a huge deal or such a huge year. And maybe make or break wasn't the correct terms here, but I just feel like like Travis Sanheim's not a the young kid anymore, right? Like he's a he's a vet. He's played two full seasons now in the NHL. Played a half a season. Uh, he's played 200 regular season games, right? He's not a he's not a a young kid anymore. He's going to be 25. For me, it's like okay, what is Travis Sanheim? 70 points in 200 games. Rarely plays on the power play. He's supposed to be this puck moving, uh, can skate like the wind, defenseman. I maybe the playoffs has left a sour taste in my mouth because it's like, okay, I see him skating, but it's always when somebody's getting beat, you know, whether that was Myers or him. Uh, I, I think of him turning the puck over. I don't see him creating much offense, which, you know, that's what we hear. This kid can skate. He can play on the power play. And I want to see it. Like, I don't want to wait anymore with this kid. That I think that's where I'm getting frustrated a little bit is because we've heard for years the kids are coming. The kids are coming. They've been here now for two years. What am I waiting to see now? He's supposed to be doing it, right? And I know that the season was cut short a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll give you his numbers here. I'm sure if you guys are listening, you already have them. You already know them. You're calling me nuts. Uh, here we go. So eight goals and 17 assists in 69 games played. That's, uh, I don't know. That's a little bit underwhelming for me, for a player like Travis Sanheim. Uh, now, if you look, let's look at his playoff numbers here. We have a goal and six assists for seven points in 16 games. That doesn't look terrible for a defenseman. You could have fooled me with the six assists, man. But you know, I bring up Travis. I'm bringing up Travis Sanheim a lot these days, and I think people think that I'm giving up or I'm turning on the kid, but I'm not. I just want to see what we've been told is coming, and I want to see it. I want to see it now. And he's going into a contract year. If we don't see it in a contract year, we're not going to see it, is I think what I'm saying with the make or break. right? If, if this kid, he's not a kid anymore. He's going to be 25 next year. That's not a kid. A kid's your 18, 19, 20, 21. Right For me, you start to not be a kid when you start to turn 22, 23. Right? You're a man at that point. Travis Sanheim is what he is now. I need to see him take it to the next level in a contract year when shit's on the line or it's not happening for Travis Sanheim, at least for me. Okay? If he doesn't perform, if he doesn't take that next step, I'm looking for 45 points from Travis Sanheim next year. All right? I'm looking for... 10 to 12 goals, and I guess I'm looking for 30 to 35 assists, right? I want him to force his way onto the power play somehow, and I want to see him produce on the power play, okay? I don't want to... uh, The opinion that I have of Travis Sanheim is that he's kind of laid back, right? He does what he does, and whatever's given to him, he takes. I want to see him go out... Like, we hear a lot of crap about Provov not being the, the right guy for the power play, right? He's not as fluid. 
Travis Sanheim, I believe, can be that. He could be that piece that everyone's saying that you know needs to be on the power play. But I want to see him go out and take the spot. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean, Jack? Like I don't want to see him nonchalantly say, "All right, I'll I'll go on and I'll take the spot because you know Provorov's not not doing it." Right? If if you don't see a guy come out and take what he wants in a contract year, you're not going to see it. That's what I'm afraid that Travis Sanheim is. I'm afraid that he's too laid back because that's the impression that I get. I, I like. Even in the playoffs, I, I kind of saw some timidness and some – I didn't see the kind of fight in Sandheim that I did progressively from Phil Myers. You know what I mean? And I know that it's unfair for me to question Sandheim just from those playoffs because there's no fans and blah, 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 excuses, excuses, right? But – I'll say it again, and and this is where I'll let you take over, Jack. If Travis Sanheim doesn't come out next year and try to take over that power play and try to assert himself in a contract year, you're not going to see it. And that's what I'm worried about. That's the make or break for me with Travis Sanheim. Okay. Do you know what Aaron Rodgers' most famous tweet was? What was it? It's five letters. Relax. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say this. I understand your concern. I want him to take that jump too. Not so much with the power play, which would be great, mind you, but with the first pairing with Provorov. But I say relax because he. I don't think he. this is what he is because he's a defenseman, and defensemen always take longer to develop than forwards. So that's why I say relax. Like I don't think this is Sandheim. I also think this was his very first time having any kind of playoff, you know, NHL playoff experience. And we, if we were to see the same exact Sanheim next year in the playoffs, then I would start to feel a little concerned for several reasons. One, he should be, he'll be 25, you know, pushing 26. He needs to let's go. You're how old are you at this point? Also you now, is this who you are in the playoffs? And you know, where's that skill? Where's that? Like, where's that drive? You know, and I, I just I don't see that happening, but that would make me worry if that were the case. I, I just I have more faith in that. Oh, and in it and in a contract year. That was the one thing I wanted to add. And if it was in a contract year, he's not playing for another two year, three and a quarter, three and a half million dollar deal. He's looking for that prover off seven years, six, seven million dollars. So you're going to have to play significantly better. That being said, and I, I don't want to give him a pass. Islanders and Montreal were a pretty tough team for this whole team to play, not just Travis Sanheim. And when we've seen him in the regular season, he has been pretty good. Um, yes, we want to see him move forward. I, I want to see him, like I said, pretty much, I won't go through it all over again, but it's, you know, essentially what you're asking as well. You want him to step up and show him he's the guy. The kids are here. One thing we tend to forget is while we've been talking about the kids for years, now that they're here, now we got to talk about now we want them to become the stars that we know they can be. And that's where one of two things are going to happen. We're going to get very disappointed or they're going to get there. And it's tough, but all you can do is wait it out and hope they have the right guys leading them along the way, which I think we do now at AV. Uh, I love the locker room for these guys. Um, and I think it's I think we will see that. 
part of it's them having to wake up, grow up and do what they got to do. It's, I understand the concern. I wouldn't call it make or break yet, but if he doesn't, so let's say he had a similar season and, and Fletcher is not offering that seven year deal and he's offering another bridge contract, then you start to, it's a little bit of cause for concern only a little bit because he is a defenseman and they do take longer to develop. It is what it is. It's always been that way. So make or break. No cause for concern. Not yet. This is a big season, and this is why I voted the way I did. It's potentially could be that. We might look back on this upcoming season with Sanheim and say, that's where it all went right, or that's where it all went wrong. And that's how I feel. There's a lot riding on it. It's not it's not do or die, but there's a lot. it can mean a lot. And that's where I will agree with you. I'm not ready to push the eject button quite like you're hovering your finger over. Um, Sanheim's a very talented player. I have faith that he'll figure it out. I have faith it'll be less timid come next playoff time. I almost wish they played a, a different style of team and you could really see what he's capable of. But you know what? It is what it is. To be the best, you got to beat the best. He's got to figure it out. And I'm sure he learned something this year. And I think nothing would be better than putting him with Proveroff and figuring out, seeing what he does and playing together and getting that chemistry. And I'm coming off shockingly optimistic, which is not really a trait of mine. Uh, I believe that much in Travis Sanheim, I guess. And I know I've never really jumped out as this big Sanheim guy, but I've always very much liked the player. He was a fast riser at the draft. I've been following him ever since. I think Lee, that was a draft in Philly, just for FYI. Um, understand your concern. I think the entire team had a rough offensive playoff. I think some of these defensemen were really out, outmatched. And I think we'll see a different team next season. The bubble is another thing we don't really get into. And I know the other teams had to deal with that too, but... I think we're poised for our guys like Sanheim to really step up and my fingers are crossed, but I think that will happen. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for, but I don't know. I haven't seen anything from the last, nothing really stands out to me that says Travis Sanheim's going to break out next year. You know what I mean? And I'm not worried. I don't want to say that I'm worried, but I need to see it this year. I, I'm not waiting for guys to get going anymore. Do you know what I mean? I want to see these guys start living up to the potential. And we've been promised for years. These guys are coming. These guys are coming. They're here. You know, Provorov's playing the big minutes. Uh, Sandheim is now a top four defenseman. He was paired. I think he started out playing with Braun this year. Myers played his way into the top four, which I wanted to see. And I'm hoping to see Myers take the next step and play on the top pairing with Provorov. I think that Sandheim needs a guy, much like Ghost, that's going to allow him to play his game. Once they find that guy, and I think they thought they had that in potentially Braun, you know, and... Yeah, once they find that guy, I think we'll see Sandheim a little bit more comfortable. You know, he played with the rookie this year. He's he's a younger guy himself. Uh, so yeah, I'm not I'm not totally I'm not out on Sandheim, but I I need to see more. I I want to see 40, 45 points next year from Sandheim. I want to see twelve goals. I want to see thirty three assists. Now I know it's like. 
you can't really put a number like that. But ten and thirty, I want to see. You know, I, I, that's all. I don't want to see significant power play time. So there's a few things that you said that stuck with me in that, and I kind of alluded to one of them earlier, and I do agree with you. Now you said you brought up Ghost, and you kind of you kind of said you want a guy to play with Sandheim like Braun with Ghost, or, or a guy who could let Ghost go be Ghost and do the offense, and the other guy could just kind of hang back. And I get that sentiment. My thing with that is I don't think Sandheim as is nearly as defensively a liability like Ghost is, which is why I think a guy like Provorov would work. For, I think he's built more for the first pairing than Ghost ever was. You can't have a one-dimensional guy on your first pairing. You just can't. And I think Sandheim is built in a better mold overall. And why you don't need a brawn to you know. I'll just stay back the whole time while you can do your thing. I think Provorov can be that guy where he likes to get into it too, but he doesn't have to do it every single play. And I, honestly, I think there's potential for Sandheim to be a little more offensive Provorov. Maybe not as good defensively, but to have like one of each on that top pairing would be a very, very good top pairing. And I, I just... I want to see that, and I understand the concern. But you also, the other thing I wanted to mention, you also mentioned I'm not I'm seeing him break out. Um, it's tough with defensemen, though, because there's not a point where you see them do something, and you're like, he's going to break out on defense. Because look at Ghost. We thought we saw that already, you know? And look what happened with him. And that's an offensive defenseman. And while Sanheim is an offensive defenseman, I think he had, brings more defensively than Ghost ever did. And how do you know when a guy like that's going to break out? I guess you could say he has a really good defensive game, but I can't narrow it down to one playoff series and say he's going to break out next year, especially when you're talking defense. I think it's going to be a slower build than we would have liked. I think, excuse me, we're ready for this team to win now. I think you, we just need to be a little more patient or we're going to jump the gun. That being said, I will ask you this because we haven't really got into what Fletcher plans to do with the offseason, any potential trades or anything like that. A couple of names have been floated. None of them I really take seriously, and like Goudreau and Dumba. I feel like Goudreau is just a year thing, yearly thing. As well as Patrick Laine, which seems like a long shot. Nikolai Eller seems more reasonable. But do you see if Fletcher were to move a defenseman not named Ghost, who's that defenseman for you? Probably Sandheim. I don't blame you for thinking or saying that. It doesn't have anything to do with your own personal beliefs on the player. Um, but it just comes down to if you want to get something, you have to give something. And while all those players I mentioned sound great, I'm not ready to give up on Sanheim. I think it'd be a mistake. And I still, I know a lot of people felt that way last year, and some of those people jumped off that boat. I'm still very much on that boat. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're, if you want to get something back, that's the guy you're probably looking to move. You know, he's in the last year of his deal. You get an opportunity to sign him to an extension while you have him. You know, an extension that you want. You know, so that's kind of attractive if you're another team trading for him. You get him for a cheap price this season. You know, like we said, he's making 3.25. He's a top four defenseman. Can play on the power play. Something he's not getting a lot of time doing here. So another team looks at him, they're like, ah, this is a young kid. 
going to be 25 years old. We can control him for however many years at whatever cost we want. And I think a lot of teams would want that. Now, I don't know what the Flyers would get back. They'd have to move cap. You know, I, I would imagine if they're bringing something uh, significant in. But he's the guy I would imagine that other teams would want. I feel like on every team, there's at least three players that every other team knows you can't touch. And for the Flyers, those three players, I think, are Sean Couturier, Ivan Provorov, and Carter Hart. Now, I'm not saying that teams are going to call and ask for Jake Voracek, JVR, but the teams that Chuck Fletcher is just going to hang the phone up on are probably Couturier, Provorov, Hart. So I think if you're another team and you want a player, Travis Sanheim's probably at the top of the list of guys that you would want off the Flyers roster. Definitely. And that's why whenever we're connected to a player, his name's almost immediately dropped. When it's, when the rumor seems to be coming from the city we're trading with, the name is Sanheim. But when it's coming from the Flyers, the name seems to be ghost. And you see the, you see the difference there. And Nylander is a name that I've seen come up because we need another center. We don't know what's going on with Patrick. Uh, if we were to trade Sandheim for Nylander, I would be disappointed. Um, if it was one for one, it might ease the pain, but I still wouldn't really want to do it. I'm like, you want Nylander? Well, and it's a shame now because he's had a pretty good season. I'm talking Ghost in a, our first round pick and whatever else. I don't want to trade Sandheim. And it's, you, not much, that's why I don't think a trade's ever going to happen. That, we also got to think about cap implications, which you kind of mentioned. Sanheim isn't making a whole lot for what he's doing. And mm-hmm. a guy like Nylander is making very close to $7 million. And it's not so much getting him under the cap this year. We're going to sign Coots and Hart moving forward. And that's going to be tough. Uh, they, both those guys are going to want a lot of money. And I don't see how that's feasible. So uh, I don't, I just, that's another reason why I don't think Sanheim's moved. I think he's a commodity that could potentially get better. And he's cost controlled right now. And they're gonna see it. They're gonna see it out. And I don't see a move that works for the long. Unless it's some kind of mega blockbuster where JVR goes to first round pick and maybe even a, like a Lawton or somebody are all in in and we get like two st- studs back or something crazy, which almost never happens. That's the only way I think that this happens. That he's moved off this team at this point. Yeah, I don't. I I can't see him going anywhere. Uh, especially, you know, after Chuck mentioned he wants to add depth, like I even think that ghost might stay. And I've, I've talked to a couple guys and in their minds, ghost is all, but as good as gone. He said, there's a lot of teams out there that need defense, quote unquote defense. When you're talking about Shane Gossip spare, but it's what would the flyers get back? You know? So if he's a commodity, if teams are, if you have multiple teams calling for Ghost, now, now you can get something back. You know, on past shows, I definitely said, you know, the, there's the flat cap. It's going to be hard to move a guy like Ghost. But here's the thing. If you're the Flyers and you have a lot of teams calling about this one guy, you can start pitting teams against each other, right? And, you know, whether that's an extra draft pick or, you know, maybe another... Uh, you know, a decent minor league prospect, a guy you want to take a shot on, you can start to squeeze the lemon a little bit. 
You know, get a little bit of extra juice out of that lemon when you have multiple teams calling about one guy. So, I don't know. According to some of the guys uh, that have been on our show, Ghost could potentially be on the move. That 4.5 could be off the books. Not sure what would be, what would be coming back the other way. Maybe they bring in, you know, another uh, defenseman, a little bit more responsible defensively to pair with somebody on that third line. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a little bit cheaper. Who knows? But uh, to your point there, it sounds like, you know, Sandheim's not going anywhere. But Gossespierre could be the guy. And this, this could be the summer that he's gone. <laughs> I'll say this. The odds of Shane Gossespierre finishing his career in a Flyers uniform are as likely as me putting super unleaded in my rent-a-car. It's not happening. <laughs> that being said, this is a this is the best part of the ghost rumors, okay? And I I hate to throw our buddy Kyle under the bus here, but he does it all the time. Um, when we hate ghost, we say all the same things. We say he does this, he can't do that. He gives up the puck. He can't hit anybody. He's too small. He gets hurt. He's he all his shots get blocked. His passing's not there. Yada yada yada. But the second we're talking about trading him. All of a sudden, it's like all that stuff is forgotten. And it's like, well, he was a pretty good offensive defenseman a few years ago. He still can do it. Although, I'll give Kyle some credit. Kyle will take him for a bag of pucks at this point. So I probably shouldn't throw his name under there. But, like, a lot of the sentiment is, he sucks, he sucks, he sucks. Okay, we're going to trade him. Oh, he's pretty good. You should you should, tra- you should take him. You know, he's pretty good. You, you probably get something for him. It's like, if he was that hot of a commodity, I think he would have been traded already. I don't think he is. He's defense making a pretty reasonable number. Sure, you want to hate on his play, go nuts. There's a lot of teams that have worse defensive corps than we do who could definitely use a guy like Ghost, who could definitely use a reclamation project like Ghost, who needs a change of scenery, and we all know it, and we know he'll thrive once he gets it. Whether it be long-term, we don't know. I think Ghost is more like, and we've seen this in fantasy, if you have a guy you think is going to be good and he's not and all of a sudden the low ball offers start coming in. I think Fletcher's been dealing with those. Oh, uh, looks like you probably can move Ghost off your roster there. You got these other young guys. You're good on D. You just got this guy floating. You got him in your press box half the season. He's been hurt. Uh, I'll take him off you for a fifth, fifth rounder. And I'm, gl- I'm sure that's happening. And I'm sure Fletcher was smart enough to balk at that. And that makes me think he's going to be around. And they're going to try to pump up his value. I think they thought he was hurt and it affected his play. There were spurts. And I do think they want to try to bring in somebody to play with him, whether to make him good or just to pump up his value. And it's too early to say nothing has really been done. They're still dealing with some of their own players and resigning them and structuring their team. But I I don't think that while Fletcher did not draft Ghost and he's not a Ghost guy, in my opinion – I think he does want to get something for him and doesn't want to just give him away. And I don't, and I understand pitting teams against each other. I don't think that step has actually come yet. I think we need to get ghost more value. That's when I think that'll come right now. I think he's getting bombarded with low ball offers and he's been smart enough to stay away. For sure. So it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here between now and the draft and free agency, which is the first full week of October, I believe. So a lot of stuff could happen between now and then. 
We are just a little bit over an hour here, guys. So we are going to wrap up. Jack, you got anything coming up in the next couple days? Uh, yeah, I got a Flyers, uh, Flyers, HW Full Circle uh, coming out most likely Monday morning. Uh, not sure who we're going to deep dive into and what's going on with the Metro report, but I will give a little spoiler. Uh, the fly, uh, the Washington Capitals, they uh, signed a former Flyers head coach. Ooh. So, um, you know, that could be the topic of, topic of discussion. Uh, either way, it's always good to see what the rest of our division is doing and how they're coming along and nipping at our heels. There you go. And then uh, make sure you guys be on the lookout for High and Wide with Derek Settlemeyer. That'll come out tomorrow, Thursday. And then we have also, we're going to get the prospect show kickstarted again. We added a, a new member to the team in Marco Diamico. Make sure you guys check out his top 62 prospect list over at his website, Stats and Scrimmages. Marco does great stuff. Uh, one of the nicest guys you'll find on Twitter. So give him a follow. I believe his at or his screen name, whatever the hell it's called is his Twitter is at the hockey expert, D a hockey expert. Make sure you give Marco a follow. Awesome dude. Uh, he'll be on with us. And I feel like we have more. Oh, check out the site, hwhockey.net. A lot of articles coming out. One of our newest contributors, uh, Natalie Finkelstein is putting out an article. It might, it might even be out already by the time this podcast comes out on Shane Gossespierre, uh, why she thinks he should stick around for another year. So check that out. Hit up the site, listen to the podcasts, and we will be back next week.